ministering in Lone Oak tonight, an hour behind us, so we're praying that the Lord will use him and bless him. I told him, I said, if you go, you better be ready to go to church. Oh, no, he said, I'm going to work. Oh, he called me, and guess what? <laughs> he got caught, so he's going to be borrowing a tie tonight. I'm so thankful for all of our online viewers, too. You're always welcome. Uh, we hope that eventually you will be able to get to a church where you have a shepherd who can see your face and take care of you. Until that time, we will pray for you and lift you and encourage you. Amen. Amen. We have some folks that haven't been able to go to church and they've been under lockdown and we're always glad that they come to our revelation services on Monday night and Bishop did an outstanding job of reviewing chapters 1 through 12. This coming Monday, Pastor is going to be doing chapter 13, which is the Antichrist. And I think there is a great blessing in studying this. In fact, I have been inspired and piqued to dig into the word of the Lord. I've got, among other things, not just the judgments, but the Bible says that the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it has occurred to me that there is no other book that describes him like he is described in Revelation. There is no other book. He is no longer the carpenter of Galilee. He's not wearing sandals. He's not breaking bread and fixing fish on the fire. He's not being judged of Romans, Jews, the Sanhedrin, Pharisees, Sadducees, common people, and uh, beaten by centurions. When he shows up in the book of Revelation, he is all God. And it's amazing to see the transformation. And you say, well, what would that do for me? And I went uh, last Monday night, two nights ago, with the young people. And it, it may not mean a lot to them, but when you've lived as long as I have, and you've seen so much injustice and so much evil and so much wrong, and the Lord has been so long-suffering, and although my life, I'll be 62 this year, it sounds like a long time, in the span of human time, in the span of time, it's not very long at all. And it's gone pretty fast. But God has observed injustice over and over and over and over and over again. And then in this last hour, when he's revealed himself to the world as a gracious God and warned that this planet is going to burn up, not because of cows, methane, not because of China, and not because of global warning brought on by man, but the planet itself has been reserved for fire. It feels good to see God standing up and saying, I've had enough. And he won't do it to people who are innocent. He's not going to judge people who are seeking him. He's not going to judge people who are horrified by the evil that's going on. But he's going to judge the people who are perpetrating the evil. And when he does it, he'll be right on time. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for his goodness. Thank you, God, for words that are coming across this pulpit that paint you as who you are. The Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The first and the last, the author and the finisher, the almighty God who deserves our respect and our love and reverence. We thank you, Jesus. And so tonight, Hyphen, thank you for staying in. Sister Caitlin is working and uh, bade me tell you she will see you this weekend, but that if you would just stay in here and I will try to be very relevant to you tonight. Praise the Lord. So... Have you ever heard this expression, a penny for your thoughts? Well, <clears throat> this has been on my mind for a couple of weeks, and I'm going to entitle this, What Do You Think? 
What do you think? So we're going to start right here in the book of Nehemiah, verse 5, chapter 5 and verse 19. This was kind of amazing to me because this sounds like something I would say. It's like, God, I'm working my guts out. Think on me for good. It's like, Lord, I'm right in the middle of clearing debris, fighting with people. There's conflict going on. I'm putting up with it. I'm doing my best. I haven't killed anybody yet. Under lots of pressure, feel like I could explode. Think upon me, my God, for good, according to all I have done for this people. This is a prayer of a man who's working for a wife and kids, or a single who's working for a difficult employer. This is a prayer for a mom who's working, a single parent who's having to carry a heavy load, and you haven't abandoned your responsibility. You haven't walked out. One of our former students married a physician, had two twins, or I don't know if it's two sets of twins, maybe one, lovely young woman. And many years ago, we got word that he just decided, this well-to-do physician, decided he did not want a wife and children. So he left. He just decided it was too much. So he basically abandoned them. You know, you think abandonment is for ignorant people. Well, it wasn't. This guy had it all and he said, I don't want this. I don't want to give myself to anybody. Nehemiah said, God, I haven't walked out. I haven't punched anybody in the face. I'm in conflict. I'm trying to do something really good. I'm being met with incredible opposition. And this place has been raised to the ground. I mean, it is a burnout. There's nothing left of Jerusalem. It's depressing, and I'm working here. I am working in depression. Say, I'm working in depression. I'm working in depression. Yes, you are. Yeah, you are. And you've been given an almost impossible task uh, to live in a world that hates Jesus, hates anything that's good and godly. And Nehemiah said, think about me, Lord. I want you to think about me. And then again, he did this amazing thing in Nehemiah 6.14. He said, think about me. And then he said, I'm going to call out some people that are giving me trouble. And they really were. These, this was not imagination. These people, they were trying to sabotage the work that he was literally trying to do. Not a ministry. I mean, he was trying to clear debris and burned timbers and crushed rocks and the remnants of a civilization, his city had been burned to the ground. I, I don't know how many of you have been in a tornado or seen the effects of a tornado, but because we lived in Arkansas for so many years, we saw the effects. It's like a war zone and it does something to your spirit. And you can see a picture, but that's not the same as walking into a neighborhood where the lawns were all cut and trimmed and flowers were growing and now you see nothing but twisted metal. And the thing that stuck out in my mind was the pink insulation. It was everywhere. It just looked horrible. It affected me emotionally. And Nehemiah said, God, I'm coming home. I've been sick. 
I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to face it, but somebody's got to do something and I'm the one. Think about Tobiah and Sanballat. I want you to, God, I'm not cussing them. I'm not killing them, but I want you to look to, at what they've been doing. And then I want you to look at this woman who's called herself a prophetess, Noadiah, and the rest of the prophets that are trying to terrorize me while I'm trying to do a good job. Trying to make me feeble and scare me and tell me you can't do it and, and uh, you, better, you better stay home. And um, if you're staying home, that's okay. I'm just saying there's going to come a point when every one of us are going to have to go, enough. Amen. Just stop it. And he said, think. So I, what do you think? I looked up what think means. You knew I was going to do it. So let's look at... He, he asked him two times to think. He said, think about me and the good I'm doing, and I want you to think about them and the evil they're doing. He didn't say, give me a reward. He said, think about me. Just think about me. Now, you know what? You have to be pretty sure that what you're doing is a blessing to invite God to think about you. Think about me, Lord. Think about what I'm going through. And it means to remember, to recall, to call to mind. Lord, remember me. Remember me. One of our precious saints was talking to me and, and said one time, I don't want to put my wife in a home. And I said, well, brother so-and-so, it's going to be a little bit hard on you. You're both getting elderly. And he said, no, because if I do, people will forget about her. And he was afraid if he wasn't present, no one would think. And he was just saying, I want people to think about her. And this is what Nehemiah was saying. God, I know you're out there. You're doing all kinds of things. You've got your agenda. You, but please think about me. Think about me. When you take a thought, Lord, think about me. Now that's recorded in Nehemiah. And Lord, I want you to think about the people that are causing me so much grief. I'm not asking you to kill them. I'm not asking you to destroy them or obliterate them. I want you to think about them. I want you to think about this job that's given me such difficulty. Lord, I want you to think about this physical condition. Lord, please Think about it. Think about me and think about my circumstance. That's amazing. And think is, in both instances, to remember, recall, call to mind, be thought of, be brought to mind, to keep in remembrance. You know why you go to graves and put down flowers? So you don't forget. You know why we have Memorial Day? To remember because it is easy to forget and he said Lord record mention me record make a record make a memorial Lord make a memorial do you remember when Cornelius was visited by an angel and the angel said your prayers and your alms have come up before God Cornelius was building his own memorial. He just kept sending up stuff and God was like, look at this. 
There's this little altar that's been showing up in heaven. Cornelius didn't say, think about me, God. Nehemiah did. But if you listen carefully, you'll see the connection between both of them. Nehemiah said, Lord, I'm giving you something to think about. I'm clearing Jerusalem. I'm giving you something to think about. I'm doing it against opposition. Lord, I want you to remember. So you say, well, I come to church on Wednesday night because I don't know what else to do with my time. I would like to encourage you to recognize that you are creating a memorial for yourself. Your presence adds a stone to the altar where your prayers are received in heaven. Every time you show up at church, every time you raise your hands, every time you thank the Lord. Now you may not get a gold star from me. I'm in the same boat you're in. But what's happening with your prayer, your praise, your giving, your expressions of love is you're building a celestial memorial. Why is that important? Because every time God walks past it, he says, Oh, I remember. Oh, look at that. I remember. He said, Well, why am I fasting and praying? The corona's here and, and my family hasn't come in. I'm going to tell you why you're doing it, my love. You're doing it so God will remember you. Amen. You're saying, Notice me. Don't forget me. And do you think he will forget you? I have to remember there's a scripture I want to read to you about that. You say, well, my prayers haven't been answered, but your prayers have been noted. But my husband hasn't come in. My wife, my kids, let me tell you something. They may not notice, but the God of heaven and earth notices. Nehemiah said, think about me. Think about me, Lord. Now we know, not Nehemiah said, what do you think? Well, what I think is I can ask God to remember me. And I can ask God to remember my circumstances. Now the next scripture I want to show you, I want to tell you that not only did Nehemiah ask God to think about him and his adversaries and his problems. He said, remember me, Jesus. Remember me, Lord. Remember me. You remember the thief on the cross? What did he say? You know what he was saying? Give me one little thought. Just, I'm stealing time from your life because in a few minutes you're not going to be able to talk to anybody. Spare me just a thought. And you know what Jesus did before he lost his breath and couldn't speak at all? You're going to be with me today. No more conversation. Done. He said, not only am I going to think about you. say, why is that important? Well, I'm, I'm going to take us there. It's important. What do you think? It's important. Now, the Lord thinks about us. Psalm 40 and 17. This is important. This is important. The psalmist said, but I am poor and needy. Have you ever been around someone who's needy? Please don't raise your hand. Don't do that. Don't nudge any human being within elbow distance. Don't do that. This is not about outing people. But if you've ever been with somebody who's needy, wow, you're not enough. Have you ever noticed that? And you can't give enough, you can't talk enough, you can't encourage enough. 
you can pour everything you've got into that person in one day and so help me before you go to bed 10 o'clock at night you're going to get one more text don't raise your hand I already know you've been there he said I am that person now most of us would not like to be identified as needy I just am a black hole of need everywhere I go just absorb people's time and people's resources I just suck them dry and it's never enough David said I'm poor and you'd think that poor and needy would be the same but evidently they're not you can be poor and empty completely empty and he said I am both poor and needy now I asked you if you've been with a needy person don't raise your hand to that and don't raise your hand to this have you been needy I just gotta have something I just I'm just empty I'm just I'm just oh God help me I'm poor and I'm needy it's not something I want to admit I can't get I can't be satisfied by anything I just I just I just I I just need I just I'm in need it's me oh Lord standing in the need of prayer well let me tell you how God feels about that what do you think now I know what we do when we find a needy person we give till we can't give and then we start putting up boundaries because it's like you cannot call me at one o'clock in the morning to tell me your latest drama and drama I have to sleep we have to put lines you're gonna have to learn to fish and me not feed you fish you're gonna have to learn to get a pole and fish but David said I'm poor and needy yet the Lord he didn't say man he said the Lord thinks about me I can't bring a thing to him and every time I open my mouth it's help give me I need Jesus now save deliver help Jesus help me help me help me I need I'm empty I'm sorry I'm suffering I'm afflicted it's difficult I need I want I need help I want and the Lord says thinking about you whoa most of us run the other way when we find a needy person most people go not me man I cannot handle the drain and the Lord says I haven't left for an instant I'm right here the Lord thinks about me and then immediately goes you are my help and my deliverer I'm not trying to drain people dry God, you never get tired of hearing me say, I need thee, oh. One way to kill a marriage is when you put two needy people together. As pastor has said, it's two ticks and no dog. <laughs> Just meditate upon it. It's grisly and gruesome. And it's, it is destined to fail. It's like whose needs get met first. Because I'm needy. I need you to be with me. I need you to build me up. I need you to make me feel good. I need you. And David said, Lord, I need you. 
And the Lord didn't say, get away from me, you little parasite. <laughs> he said, I'm going to help you, son. I'm going to be your deliverer. I'm going to come down. I know you're needy. You need me. And I am here. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord. He is not human. And he does not cast people aside because they're poor and needy. He delivers. Now, I'm just going to say this right now. Pastor is a psychologist. And there are triangulated relationships where there's an abuser, a savior, and a victim. And people just rotate positions. Like they're looking for somebody to save them. And then they find someone to save them. And they develop these codependent relationships. And then before long, they are somebody else's victim. And then they become somebody's abuser. It's just an endless cycle of use and be used. But David said, when you think on me, Lord, you become my deliverer. There is no deliverer but God. He can break the cycle of interdependence and codependence and all kinds of dysfunctional relationships because he is a helper and a deliverer and he's always right on time. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. The Lord thinks about us. Jeremiah 29 11, he said, I'm going to speak for myself. I know the thoughts that I think toward you. So maybe you didn't get up today thinking about God, but guess what? He's thinking about you. He's thinking about me. What occupies his mind? I'm, I'm saying to myself, well, Nehemiah said, Lord, remember me for two reasons. What I'm trying to do for other people and what other people are trying to do to me. And David said, I'm poor and needy. I know I am. I can't bring much to you, Lord. But when you get done with me, I'm going to sing your praise because I don't have any help but you. I don't have a deliverer but you. And the Lord answers back, I know what I think about you. You ever wonder what people think about you behind your back? Mm. The Bible said don't even listen to people talk about you behind your back. Because you know very well that you talk about other people. Did you know that's in the word of the Lord? It's just best not to go there. Well, you might wonder if the Lord does the same thing people do. To your face. Oh, hi. To your back. I thought I'd never get away. To your face. So good to see you. Behind your back. Whew, I escaped that conversation. Say, well, I've never thought of God that way. Well, you kind of got to. Because he said, I'm going to answer that. I'm not like you. I don't present one face when you're in my face. And when you walk away, I'm like, Pfft. He said, this is what I think of you. How can I bring peace to your life? How can I help you settle down? How can I take your anxiety away? 
How can I reassure you that I'm really not going to leave you? How can I help you know that peace is not limited to a place? That if you have to leave your shining home and move someplace you don't want to go, if your body begins to give out on you and you are petrified at the result, how can I bring you with me to peace? Because as long as I'm with you, it will be well. Now we say we believe that, but if we really did, then when things happen to us, we would not implode or spontaneously combust. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you get petrified when something happens to rock your boat. I'm just going to tell you that most of us who are human in this room catch our breath when we get a phone call that shakes our routine or a bill or a doctor's report or we're going through and you know what it may just be the transitions of life but I'm going to tell you something you get locked into your 20s when you feel strong and life is good and everything's great let me put it to you like this don't you wish at 60 with what you know you had the body and the strength of your 20 year old self well of course you do but see the Lord doesn't allow that that's like being a high school student and saying, if I could just repeat kindergarten, I could show how smart I am. You don't get to go back. You have to go forward. And the same circumstances that limited you at five are with you at 65. You, you're never going to feel like, I'm free, except here and here. For it is written, whom the Son and he said, you'll know the truth. You won't be going to the gym and lifting weights. That's not what makes you free. Getting married, making money, that doesn't make you free. He says, when you get in contact with truth, it just takes the stress right on off. And he said, I know the thoughts I think toward you. And he could have said anything. Thoughts of grace, thoughts of love, thoughts of kindness, thoughts of mercy. Thoughts of well-wishing, but he didn't say any of that. You know what he said? Thoughts of... Because we spend a great portion of our lives... Oh, oh, oh. Or those of us that are not demonstrative. It's called the silent treatment. Those of you that are quiet and you don't ever blow up, but you don't talk for a month. I used to sing a little song when I was four that somebody taught me and then they'd send me up to the platform. God's got your number. He knows where you live. God's got his eye on you, you old high heel wearer. Yes, yes, they taught a four-year-old child that and then they'd make requests for Janice Tackett to come up and sing because and I was very serious about it they taught me high heel wearer they taught me um, what else did they teach me cigarette smoker uh, they they would fill in that yeah mm-hmm right there abused right there yes the Lord said I have no desire to hurt you it has never entered my mind to crush you 
It has never entered my mind to torment you or dangle you over a prayer that I haven't answered. He said, I, I don't think a single evil thought about you. They, why do I need to know that? Well, I'm getting there because you need to know what God thinks about you so you, need, so you can know what to think about God. And he's not two-faced. Now, this was amazing to me. I, this blew my mind. I'm going to try to pronounce this word in Hebrew. The word think in Jeremiah and in Psalms is the same word and is called Khashab, Khashab, and it means to weave or to fabricate, to think, to regard, to compute. Now, bear with me for a minute while I go on a little journey. So God is looking at all the loose ends of our lives, and he knows when your expiration date is. He knows when he's going to take you home. And he knows all the rabbit holes we went down. And we call them loose ends. Know what I'm saying? Do you know what a prayer shawl looks like? I think it's called a tallit. You know what's at the bottom of the tallit? Loose ends. And you know what those loose ends are supposed to represent? They're supposed to represent the 663 or 64 ordinances and commandments of the Torah. The Lord says, I think about you, and I got a visual image of God taking my loose ends and weaving them into something useful and beautiful for his glory and his pleasure. That think means to take it now, I don't know about you. People talk about being a self-made man or woman. I think that's a myth. That's like you can get up in the morning and say, I'm going to do this, and by the end of the day, you do it and get it done. I don't know too many people who can command their lives like that. If they're going to take care of a family and feel other people's feelings or relationship kind of ties you down and you kind of got to go with the flow, you know what I mean? And then if you say, I'm not going to tie myself down with anybody, then you're going to find out that you're going to be very lonely and you're still going to have a lot of loose ends. And what do you do with the loose ends? And he said, I've already been thinking about your loose ends. I want to weave them into something. To fabricate, to create, to make something. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion. You say, well, man, I don't feel any of that right now. That's because you're not God. And you can't think about your loose ends because you're too busy living right now. I can't think about yesterday because I'm already in today. I've already got a set of things coming right behind me. And I'm just two steps ahead of everything I was supposed to get done. And guess what's going to happen to me tomorrow? The same thing. I don't have time to think about today. It will be done. But there is somebody who's been thinking about. And in the book of Revelation, he said, I am which is I'm today. And was, you can't go back, but I can. And is to come. I'm in your past, your present, and in your tomorrow. And I've been thinking about you. I've been 
your past. I'm thinking about your present. I'm thinking about your future. Oh, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands. He said, I'm thinking about peace and an expected end. I'm going to make something out of your loose ends. Something woven. What do you think about that? Say, what are you doing? I'm giving you something to think about. Now, the next thing where he tells us to think, he says, don't think too much of yourself when you think. Whoa. Well, I had to put it down because it's there. Romans 12 and 3, he said, I want you to realize that you can ask me to think about you and think about your circumstances. And I'd like you to know that I think about you even when you're poor and needy. And I'd also like you to know that uh, I think thoughts of peace to you. While I'm at it, I'd like you not to think too much of yourself. For I say, through the grace given to me, to every man that is among you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think soberly. According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Oh, wow. In this hour of the selfie... Look at my latte, follow me on Instagram, I'm an influencer, whatever that means. How many millions of likes do I have? Who am I ahead of? Who am I? He said, please, don't overthink yourself. And this says to have understanding and be wise. I'm just going to read what it says. Don't think more highly. To feel or think is to have an opinion of oneself, to think of yourself. He said, be modest. Don't let your opinion exceed the bounds of modesty. Well, do you know that that's not just thinking, no, I'm not that great. It's when you are occupying every thought in your head. Every thought is about You say, well, I've never had to think like that before. Well, hello, neither have I, and I couldn't get away from it, so there it is. He said, don't think too much about you and don't think more of you than you should. Keep it, keep it down. It'd be kind of scary. It's hard to keep a record of your thought life. Now, we know Nehemiah said, think about me twice. We know David said, you think about me when I'm poor and needy. And Jeremiah, the Lord said, I think about you. And then he said, don't think about yourself so much. Be interesting to know how many times a day every thought in my head comes right back around to... Oh, Lord, help me. Then he said, to feel or to think is to be of the same mind, agreed together, cherish the same views, and be harmonious. What? I'm harmonious with me, myself, and I. He said, I want you to start rethinking yourself. Not about everybody adapting to you, but you kind of getting in harmony. 
I'm going to tell you something. This praise team up here, we sing three-part harmony. Don't know if you knew that. Don't know if you care. But it does take a little tiny bit of skill to be able to do that. We have to be able to hear parts and then move. And generally, we're pretty well on it. That means that they have to be able to stand next to each other and hear somebody who's not singing what they're singing, but moving together as one group. We can always tell when we have beginning singers because I can't put them next to someone who's singing opposite them. Because you know what they'll do? They will sing their very part. That's right. So I have, and don't look over there in the corner while they're laughing. I wasn't pointing anybody out. I wasn't talking about anyone. And now that she can't stop laughing, You need to stay on your part. What if God could penetrate the thoughts we have so that our thoughts become peaceful and we become harmonious instead of feeling conflict and confronted, confrontational, irritated, competitive? All of these things come in here and they eventually manifest out there and then it does something to unity, doesn't it? And, and he said, I want you, I want you to direct your mind. I, I want you to think. And then he said, soberly. So I'm just going to read it. To be in one's right mind. He said, I want you to think soberly. I want you to exercise self-control. Put a moderate estimate upon yourself. Think of yourself soberly, and here sums it right up here. It's irritating to me that it's here, but here it goes to curb one's passions. You get to where you can cool yourself down at the drop of a hat. Even if you're anxious, you can go, comate right now. And you just pull that right down. All that heat, that anger, and that... Blah, 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 and it just... Pull that right down. That's a work of the Holy Ghost. And you know who it is? It's Jeremiah saying, I got a thought of peace coming your way. Peace. Said, think about me, Lord. Think about my enemies. The Lord thinks about me. Don't think too much of myself. And then... Bam, love does not think evil. Think. So love puts the quietus on thoughts. You say, why do I need to know what God thinks? Because at some point when God doesn't answer immediately or like you want to, you're going to need to know that he's working, weaving your loose ends. Hallelujah. All things work together. You know where a lot of our trouble starts? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? 1 Corinthians 13 and 5. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Okay, so I had to look up what think means there. If if I'm on the right track, then my thought life is not going to tend toward the negative. T 
toward, and then it says like this, to take into account, to calculate, to, pat, to impute. Now, do you know what impute means? To deliberate, to determine, to purpose, to suppose, to deem, to judge. Pastor has this wonderful saying. He said, you can judge actions, you cannot judge motives. You can say, somebody walked past me and stomped on my foot. You cannot say, they hate my guts, they're full of the devil, they're going to come to my house tonight and shoot me. You don't know what their motive was, you can say, they stomped my foot. Okay, and then you can choose the reaction you're going to have to what they did. When this scripture says, it doesn't think evil, that means that when the Holy Ghost and the peace of God gets into my head and my heart, I do not immediately jump to the worst possible conclusion because of what somebody did. Did you hear that? Shall I repeat it? I think I shall. I shall say it again. When the Lord starts getting into our think, what do you think? What do you think? Something happens. You say, Sister Showstrand, are you superhuman? I am so not. We have to be the first partakers. God wants to get into what we're thinking in this last hour. He wants to defuse the bomb before we put the nitro in it. He is trying to preserve us. And some of us can be in a situation and take off and automatically we have gone to the end of it. It's death, destruction. It's going to be awful. It's horrible. Whatever's going to happen, it's it. That's it. And we start prophesying over ourselves because we are thinking evil. We're thinking it. We're imagining it. We're forecasting it. We're saying we are forecasting the end result of an action by going, I know why you did that. <sighs> Woo! And he said, love does not behave. It doesn't seek. It's not provoked and thinks no evil. I would say that love starts with not thinking evil. Because you know where that started? That started with the thought and then it wound up with, well, I know why you did what you did. I know why he said what he said. I know, and then you just get paranoid. And you know what? We become a guided missile. If it doesn't matter if we don't blow someone else up. We've just blown ourselves up. He said, get a hold of what you're thinking. What do you think? And it starts with a thought. And he said, this love, this charity, this love of God, this I know the thoughts I have toward you. He said, I want you to consider. I don't want you to inwardly start building a case. I don't want you to start building a fortress against somebody. I don't want you to do that. It's evil. The Bible said, give no place to the devil. And the word devil means accuser. Adversary. And you say, I would never do that. I have done it all the time and had to repent. At the end of the day, my thought life can be just like my little garden. I cannot believe after I pulled up all the weeds yesterday, there's a whole new set today. It just makes me so mad. 
or I found a new insect, or I, I've never seen anything like it. I'm just like, I feel like I'm going to lose my mind trying to pull all this up and trying to deal with all this. Here we go. Are you listening to me? He said, the love of God greater is he that is where is he? He's not out here. He's inside here going, hey, calm it down. It's okay. I am the way, the truth, and the light. Nobody can hurt you. I'm with you. I'll never leave nor forsake you. Just let that go. Pray for them. Bless them. What are you doing? I can't afford the luxury of the weeds or a fortress. Oh, hallelujah. Well, Lord have mercy. Then Philippians kind of sums it up. 4 8, he said, Now that I've told you how to tell me to think about you, think about me, Lord. Think about my circumstance. Even if I'm poor and needy, you think about me? Yes, honey. What do you think? Peace. But remember, don't let your thoughts about you run away with you. Keep it low. Stay humble before me. Then he says, this is what I want you to think about. Well, you know what? I, I, I just literally went as the Lord gave me this. And I was like, Lord, I, I don't know what to think about. And now I know what to think. You know how I know what to think? Because I didn't know God had such thoughts and recorded such things that I can say, Lord, remember me. Will you remember me? Remember my circumstance. Lord, you know I'm poor and needy right now, but you still think about me. That's awesome. He said, I want you to think about what you just heard. Now, how do you know? Finally, brethren, Philippians 4 and 8. Whatsoever things are true. All right, here we go. Write it down. I looked it up so you wouldn't have to. Do you know what true means? True, loving the truth, speaking the truth, and truthful. Do you know who we're describing here? This is not a what, this is a who. I don't know if anything I can think about like him. I cannot exhaust the subject, and I can fill my mind with thoughts about him. He amazes me. He, what, he did all this. He did, he did all this. And he didn't have a wicked thought life. He wasn't saying one thing and thinking another. He was clean. Are you hearing me? What's, whatsoever things are honest. Are you ready? What is honest? Honorable, reverend, serious, grave. Referring to holiness with persons or deeds. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't know anybody like that, that except one. And when I think about the things that he has done for me personally, do you see where I'm going with this? Paul didn't say think about Jesus, but I don't know who else fits the bill. Amen. True, honest, just. Whatsoever things are just. All right, well, all we've heard is how much injustice there is in the world. And I'm going to tell you, if you think about that too long, you're going to get all worked up, depressed, discouraged, and exhausted. He didn't say, think about the injustice, think about unrighteousness, think about things that will depress you and take you down. He said, I want you to think about what's true and honest and just and justice, upright, righteous, virtuous, keeping the commandments of God, innocent, faultless, guiltless, approved of or acceptable of God, used of him. Now listen to this. This 
I was like, oh God, if I could do this, you would have to rapture me like Enoch. Listen to this. Used of him whose way of thinking, feeling, and acting. Everybody said thinking, thinking. Feeling, feeling, acting, acting. is wholly conformed to the will of God and therefore needs no rectification in the heart or life. If I ever get there just for a second, the Lord needs to take me immediately because it won't last for more than a second. Because in the very next second, I'm going to lose it. Amen. Are you hearing me? He said, this person has such thinking, feeling, and acting so conformed to the will of God that they don't have to have any correction. It ain't me. But I know of one. I'm amazed. I'm in awe. I'm like, God, you did this. You did it. Pure. Whatsoever things are pure. Producing reverence, sacred, pure. Pure from carnality. Chaste, modest, Pure from every fault. Well, it's not just talking about what you watch on television, what you listen to, what you see, and what you think about. He said, there's no fault. I don't know anybody like that except... Lovely. Whatsoever things are lovely. Pleasing, agreeable, lovely. You know what was lovely? To see Tim Galoni come in here after months of being alone in a hospital and a rehab. Now that was lovely. I was like, Lord, that is so lovely. I think I'm going to take that out and think about it again. You're gonna, you and I are going to have to start collecting some things to think about, folks. We got too much time on our hands. We're not hoeing hay in the field anymore. We're not planting turnips by the sweat of our brow. We've got time to think. He said if there's a good report, and you know what that means? Uttering sounds or words of good omen, sounding well. Woo! How many good reports do you hear? I challenge you for one day to count how many good reports you hear. Think about it. What do you think? What do you think? Virtue, excellence, and praise. And praise is commendation. Commendations are what they give to soldiers at the end of their lives. After they've served for years. I don't know of anybody that I can go. The most incredible. The most spectacular. The most awesome. The only one I know is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. When I start thinking about him, my mind just takes off. The last thing I want to say, the Lord can do more than we can think. Think on these things and know that when you've thought about everything you can think of, he can still go beyond what you can think. <laughs> Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. And you know what think means there? It means to perceive with the mind, to understand, to have understanding, to think upon, to heed, to ponder, and consider. And the only way I know how to end this Bible study tonight is with the prayer that came to me when I got to the end of it. And I was breathless and had tears in my eyes. Oh God, what kind of a thought life have I had today? If you were to print out my thoughts on a piece of paper and read them back to me, what in this world would you find that was worthy from the Philippians list? 
So I want you to go with me to my prayer and we're going to stand. And I'm going to invite you to worship with us. Psalms 19 and 14, I want you to read it with me. Let the words of my mouth. But not just my mouth. Let's go on. And the meditation of my heart. Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Written by the same psalmist who said, I'm poor and I'm needy. Somehow between that psalm and this one, he started thinking some different thoughts. Thoughts of power and peace and my redeemer liveth. Hallelujah. And he came back with, you are my strength. And my Redeemer. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands right now. Come on up, praise team. Lord, we love you. I want you to ask the Lord right now. Jesus, get into my head. Get into what I think when I go to bed at night. Get into my head when I'm on the job. Get into my head when I'm in conflict. Get into my head when I hear a bad report. Get into my thoughts when I don't know what to think. Let me think about you. 